Um, Yahweh, you have blessed me with another day, another opportunity to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom with anyone who would have an ear to listen. For my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, Father God, but more, even more importantly, yes, even more importantly is that those that have not heard your word, heard your truth, knowledge, and your wisdom, to draw from that and seek your face. Go to the word, study the word, answer what any questions they might have, and turn to Jesus for salvation. Believing and following him and believing and having faith in you. Believing and follow the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your treasure house, Father. To draw from your shelves and be refilled. Thank you, Father God, for that. Thank you for this new day. Abba Yahweh Amma, Yeshua Amma, Baraklitos Amma. So, um, I have some interesting things to share that the Holy Spirit brought to me last night, actually. And, um, but I want to, I want to touch briefly to the admonishment I put out to those that are doing. And like they say, if the shoe fits, wear it. If it doesn't pertain to you, then don't fret and get all your knickers in a twist over it, okay? If it doesn't apply to you, just simply ignore it. And there are those that get all bound up and get all in a twist because somebody will say something that doesn't apply to them at all. They just happen to be in the receptive audience and they get all agitated and worked up. Well, he thinks that or he thinks that. No, no. If it doesn't apply to you, just simply ignore it. The truth in the speaking goes directly to those individuals that are guilty of that thing and the Holy Spirit will will convict them and they'll draw back and repent prayerfully. So if you're not in that party, in that group that I spoke to, ignore it. Don't get all, don't seek offense. Remember, they that seek offense can surely find it. Just like if you knock on the door, it'll be open and the Lord will invite you in to have supper at his table. Not hard to find, not hard to do. God's always around, he's always present. But if you're foolish enough to be in that other group, then it does apply to you. I'm going to touch on that because it's kind of like, um, pardon me, there I go to that like, 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 like thing. I, I don't. I have a better command of the English language than repeatedly. And like, you know, and like, you know, you know, like, and like, like, I just, (laughs) I don't appreciate that. That's, anyway, let's not go there. (laughs) Um, So it's very similar to um, when God puts a detour, you have to have faith that the detour is the road. And don't be similar to those individuals that choose to ignore the detour. Oh, I grew up around here. I know these roads great. And and, uh, 
we don't have to take that detour. We go straight ahead. It's it's a shortcut. Except that you don't know because you haven't been around that area for a couple of years, or perhaps you had been and didn't realize that on that particular road, that particular bridge, old and rickety as it was when you used to use it, has been taken out. And the detour is there because they're trying to establish a new bridge. But you don't know that. And you choose to not pay attention to the warning signs. And you choose to go straight. And you choose to not be able to stop in time because you were bombing down the road thinking that you had all the answers. And then you see the barricade that was put up right at the edge of the precipice. And off you go, flying into the wild blue yonder, except it's nighttime and it's dark and you actually get to the apex and then you go down. It would be prayerfully that you don't go too deep into the abyss because the abyss that you choose to take the detour away from is the abyss that is drawing you by white noise interference at you have more authority than God. Your validation is more important than God's. Your validation is more important than the body of Christ. And your, 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 and you are putting yourself in the middle of everything. You ever notice in the word pride, P-R-I-D-E, two letters in front, two letters in back, and I right smack in the middle. Stop practicing Phariseeism. That's what they did. They became a vaunted authority on everything and they liked to walk around in their trappings and everyone would bow and back away. Ooh, ah, the Pharisees are coming. Bow and back away. Make way for them. And then what happened? They ignored everyone around them that they should have been reaching out and touching because then they became too clean. They became too clean and they couldn't possibly be allowed to touch anyone, which is exactly why they didn't understand the parable that Jesus spoke of the Good Samaritan. They didn't understand. They didn't get it. And they said, what's he talking about? But that's the way they actually were. They were so worried about the outward cleanliness. And Jesus spoke to them before when they were talking about, oh my gosh, the disciples, they didn't even wash their hands. They didn't this and they didn't that. And Jesus went at him again. He said, you are so worried about what you are putting into your stomach. And you're so worried. These men, my disciples, are hungry. They've been out. We've been days and days. They're hungry. And you worry so much about what you're going to pass through into your stomach. And then it will come out in the drought. They're going to... Peer, poop it out. It doesn't matter. What you need to be concerned with and what you put into your heart because as you speak, whatever you have put into your heart also affects your mind and you will share that with others. And this has to go back to that thing that I shared with you before, the character of your heart, the tonation of the skin and what you're putting in your belly, which will pass out 
from your body is not important, but what you study, what you seek the truth in and the word of God in and the teaching of the Holy Spirit in, that is the import. Not in the physicality. Jesus tried to explain to them about the washing of their dishes and all the things that they were so worried about and their trappings and everything that, that is outside. Yet they wouldn't help those that were in, in real need. So, therein was an issue. But in the darkness that I share that is here and the reality that Jesus told us is here and also the coming of that, take heart because there is light. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the light, which is the light that once you become saved, and you believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, and you say you will follow him. And then you start having faith in God, and you do draw on that faith, and you hear the Holy Spirit as it teaches, leads, and guides you. I will, I do, let's go. And as I've shared with you, the empirical evidence that I have that I have seen and that God does take care of me is shown me over and over and over again. And the infallible truth of God. I have seen that indeed God is immutable. Remember those definitions I shared with you? English 101 grammar lesson per the Bible. I'm going to go back here. I'm sorry, I'm getting my little notebook where I wrote those down. Here we go. Empirical, derived or guided by experience, provable by experience, which is what I share with you. I am provided what I need by the Lord God Almighty. He knows what I need and he provides that. And on occasions, he allows me to indulge in a want, something that I've wanted for a while, and he allows that because he is my good, good father. He has shown me that way too many times. He didn't allow me to drive off the edge of that bridge some 300 plus feet down to the ocean surface that I shared with some, that I shared with y'all actually, and some may not have heard it, but I was going to drive off that bridge. And then the still small voice what about your grandchildren? And as I shared with you in sharing that portion, my children had not even reached the midpoint of elementary school yet. So what about my grandchildren? So what the Holy Spirit was telling me and what God told me through the Holy Spirit that he sent to me was that he saw in the future that my children would produce children and I'd be a grandpa. So here I am, didn't drive off the bridge because that was, uh, that was decades ago that I was planning on that. So I didn't. 
infallible. God is absolutely trustworthy. And he is absolutely sure. And he is absolutely unfailing. My Lord, my God, in Deuteronomy, Joshua, Isaiah, and in later passages, <clears throat> that God is with us and he promises to be with us, never leaving. Immutable. He is unchangeable. His values cannot be changed. And I shared with you, just as Jesus was being crucified, Jesus, Christ, anointed of God, his only begotten son, and when he had absorbed all the sins of the world on so that his sacrifice was completed in that, God turned away from him. He couldn't bear the fact that every sin on every person that was in existence at that time had been taken on by Jesus. That he took those so that the sacrifice would be completed. And he turned away from him. That's why Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because at that moment, God turned away. But understand this, brothers and sisters, that that was a purpose and Jesus came and finished it. Just like I shared with you previously, the words I heard from Billy Graham and that Jesus was pronouncing just before he was leaving and arrested to be taken to be crucified. He declared to falling on, it is finished. I leave them in your care. I pray over them. I, I sanctify them. They are true. They follow. They obey. Some of the teaching, it was hard for them, but they, they got it. Sadly, there were some that did walk away. They, there was apostasy. When Jesus was leaving, they were only good as long as he was physically there. Little to no faith whatsoever. And convincing themselves to see what was there. Uh, there's one in particular that comes to mind. I'm not going to even mention, not even mention him by name. But um, just find it rather interesting. Every, at every turn was finding a reason not to believe. At every turn, had an excuse not to believe. And sadly, that occurs now in the body. So when you say to God, through Jesus Christ, say, I want to believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son. I want to have faith in you. I want to follow the Holy Spirit. I want salvation. I pray for salvation to come, Jesus to come into my heart, live in my heart, and change my heart. Hold on to what you just told God. Hold on to it tightly because God is going to hold on to it. And once you do, he will walk with you. He will talk with you. He will guide you. He will tell you that he, you are his own. And here's the thing. 
that in that, God is not telling you a lie because there is so much love. There's that little two-letter word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved each one of us <coughs> that he never runs out, pardon me, and he pours that out. Each and every one of us can have that poured out onto us and God doesn't run out. So he could tell you, I love you, you are my own. He can tell me, I love you, you are my own. He walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am his own. I love that song. And he walks with me and he talks with me. I don't sing very well. Old and things are changing. <laughs> but I love that song. And I sometimes when I heard that when I was younger, I could, I actually pictured the Garden of Eden. And it was, when Jesus used to come down and walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening, I had an imagining in my mind that as we know that in certain areas by the poles, the North Pole and, and, uh, and areas up in far northern Alaska, that it never really darkens. And you have, um, what's that one little city way up in northern Alaska, way up yonder there. It doesn't actually, it, it, <laughs> it doesn't actually get to be nighttime. And there's uh, quite cold, but it never, the sun actually doesn't go completely down. They're, they're on the point of the uh, rotation of the earth so that there is no setting sun and, and there's no, it, but it's a diminished light. It's uh, kind of like dusk. And I, in my imaginings, I always thought that that's what it was like. And so... Adam and Eve walked in the garden and it was just kind of a, like somebody had hit the dimmer switch and it was dim but not dark. And God walked with them in the cool of the evening and he talked with them and he shared with them. And he let them know that he loved them. And it didn't matter. God wasn't looking at their nakedness, none of that. He made them for Pete's sake. God made them. He knows what they look like. He could care less. The only thing he cared about was their heart. And then they gave that to Satan. And everything fell. Everything fell. And then the darkness grew and it became dark. And there was a separation between that darkness, and the light. Brothers and sisters, we need to share that light. But I'm going to share with you here that that light is the good thing. We know that there's darkness. We know that there's wickedness and evil. And for those of you out there that are traipsing around and uh, rainbows and lollipops and all that stuff, they don't want to believe in any of the darkness and bad then you need to open your eyes and you need to walk upright and quit holding your head down. Lift your head up. There are people in this world, this world that we're living in now, this plane of existence that we're in now, that are indeed being martyred because they will not 
walk away from Jesus Christ, who sacrificed his life for them, for us, for me. Jesus came for me. And whosoever would have belief that he came for them as well. And have faith in God and the Holy Spirit. There are people that are being martyred because they believe that so strongly that they won't declare their belief in the government. <laughs> yeah, the governments. And the governments that have fooled others into believing that they're doing nothing wrong are doing so wrong. But here's the thing. How much better are we or how far above do we place our value over that of Jesus? Jesus became Christ, anointed of God and sent to this earth. Remember, his name is not Jesus Christ, Lord God Almighty, Son of Son of God. That's, that's not his whole name. His name was given to Mary and Joseph, Jesus. The word Christ means anointed of God. Jesus was anointed of God, came to this world as a man, a 100% man, as well as 100% son of God. When he went to sleep in the back of the boat, when they were out going out on the, Gal on the Sea of Galilee, and, and here's the thing, over there, it's a very interesting place. Storms can come up at the drop of a stone. They will just come up out of nowhere, as they did that night. This thunderstorm out over the Sea of Galilee that, that they were on, and they became afraid. They became... See, Thomas had issues because he couldn't see Jesus, and Jesus was taken away from him, so he kept throwing out his doubt. And I will, until I see the nail prints and thrust my hand in the side, I'm not going to believe it because I'm Thomas. I'm doubting Thomas. That's the way he was in his life. And then when the Lord came and Thomas said, oh, it's you, Lord, why do you believe now? because I came through the locked door or I was here, wasn't here, and now I'm here. Come here, Thomas. Come here. Touch my wounds, my, the prints of my hand. Thrust your hand into the spear wound in my side. Come here, Thomas. Yes, I heard what you said. I know that you said that. I wasn't here then, but I heard you. I knew that you refused to believe until you were able to do that thing. He called Thomas out. <coughs> Pardon me. So this is what we have to remember. We may have a lot of things that are going on in our lives, but Jesus hears our prayers. When we think that no one else is hearing and, and I love the song, I love the song, I love the song, this new young contemporary artist, The Rescue. Underneath my breath, he hears my SOS. When others can't hear or I don't believe they can hear, God hears. God hears me. God is never farther away from me than the turn of my head to speak. 
speaking right now. I don't even have to turn my head. I can just start talking Abba Yahweh. And in some cases, the necessity for me to be in a prayer posture, to drop to my knees, that's the farthest that God ever goes away. He doesn't leave us. He just takes a couple steps, giving us room so that when we fall on our knees, I wish I could remember the words of that song, getting old and forgetting these things. As I fall on my knees, as I fall on my knees, I can't remember the words, but talks about falling to the knees and for the Lord to have mercy on me. Oh Lord, have mercy on me. God does. God <coughs> does. He blesses you. He graces you with breath in the in the morning. And the, here's the thing that people get confused: is that the grace that God gives for allowing us to draw that breath is his grace. The mercy part is that he allows us to continue breathing and walk through the day because we don't deserve anything that God bestows. Nothing we have done do we deserve and don't take for granted and don't be as those other perverted individuals are. And again, I use that word, the perverse individuals that declare that we have the right of salvation. No, you don't have that right of salvation. You chose when the fall came. It was chosen, and through your life, you keep choosing to not walk with God, to not believe in God, not have faith in God, not hear the word of God, not believe that Jesus Christ is only begotten Son. And then you decide that you have that right, that it's... And there are some Christians that take it for granted. Oh, the Holy Spirit's got that in control. Oh, God's got that. I'm I'm going to heaven. I don't have to do anything. I can just sit back in my easy chair. I can roll the stone over my grave. I can roll that stone over my tomb and just sit here in the darkness and not do anything that my Lord asked me to do because I got saved. <laughs> hmm. So the Lord asks us to do a very minimal thing. And accepting that Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior is to share the word so that other people have the opportunity. Are you so blatantly selfish that you take your salvation, run to your little tomb, roll the stone over the gateway, pull the stones in front of your door, pull the shades down, and just sit there and have your salvation and not share the word of God with anyone else as he asks us to do? Wow. I pray not. But there are those that believe that way and they speak that way. We don't have to do anything because the Holy Spirit's got it all under control. We don't have to do anything because after all, that spiritual warfare that we're in, that's just in the Bible. That's just in a fairy tale. It's not real, excuse me, except that there are numerous places in the Bible that it talks about that. And Paul writes as we will see that he talks about the full armor of God and that we need to have that because we are in a spiritual warfare that will cost our very soul. That part of us that will spend eternity with Jesus Christ, Lord God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, as they will be unified as one in heaven and our loved ones that went on before that believe. 
Get it right, brothers and sisters, just stay in the word of God. But in our weakness is his strength. And he will provide us that abundant life so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be stinking rich and that you're going to have all the toys and that you're going to win at the end because you have the most stuff and you have the most money. That's not what abundant life means. You have many folks that misinterpret abundant life. For me, pardon me, I had to take a pause for a little cool water. For me, I've shared with you already, I don't have what I had before. And see, I thought that what I was able to get and obtain before was abundant life. I could sign documents. I could get things on my own signature. And they, sometimes I would walk in and I'd tell them who I was. I wouldn't have to sign anything. They would just give it to me. Yeah, I was making payments on, but see, that part wasn't registering in my head. It just, I got it. I had it. I took it home. I'm talking about cars. I'm talking about homes. Yeah, I, there was a time where I could do it. I can't do that now. I can't do that now. Not even close to being able to do that now. Because why? In my arrogance and my foolishness, my arrogance and ignorance, I walked into things that shouldn't have. I should have been paying attention, but I didn't. And I can't live in that. I have to look back and know that God was with me even at that point, which is what Israel was told when they were getting ready. And Joshua told them, look back. Don't look back on regret. Don't look back on remorse. Don't look back on what I should have, could, and would have done. I know that's not the order it goes in, uh, but you don't look back and regret remorse. See, that's where the that's where the white noise comes in. That's where the devil wants to take you. When you look back, he wants you to be remorseful, saddened, down, despondent, discouraged, and then you get regretful, and then you start getting, then you start getting agitated. Then you start getting mad. Then you start getting resentful. Then you become angry. Then you lash out at people. That's where the devil wants to take you. But look back and remember all the times that God was with you. When you look back over your shoulder and you see only one set of prints in the sand as you walk along that beautiful ocean that he created and has there and you're walking and talking and sharing. And then you look at him and say, God, I look back, but there's only one set of footprints. Where'd you go? And he just kind of chuckles a little bit, that that deep, godly little laugh, short laugh, keeps it inside. <laughs> and he said, oh, my child, I love you so much. When you look back there and you saw that one set of footprints, that was when I was carrying you. That's when I picked you up in my arms and I carried you through that troubled times. That's when you were in my arms and I was loving you and holding you close and protecting you. I don't ever leave you. I don't ever go to sleep. I don't slumber. I don't nap. And I don't leave you. I am with you. Whithersoever thou goest, I am with you. I promised you that. So we have that. And we have to just be dependent on Jesus. The fact that he is there with us. 
is lifting. And stop trying to fit ourselves into, remember I shared with you that that God gave us the ability to pre-plan so many things that we can pre-plan. And we get so caught up in that that some people's calendars are so chock full of junk and stuff to do. And then they can't get it all finished. And then they start complaining and griping and get agitated, resentful. And then they start lashing out on people because they didn't get this done. And they become workaholics. They don't spend time with their children. They used to go out and have catch with the son. and uh, Or she used to you know, sit down and have a tea party with the daughter, whatever. But then they become workaholics. The husband agreed that he would be a stay-at-home mom, dad, dad, mom, whatever you want to call him. And so he stays with the children because the wife has got her college degree that she was working hard on, that he was working hard to make the money and paying for her school, so now she's got it. And vice versa, it happens in reverse. There's women that do that thing for their husbands. But now they have become a workaholic because all these all this pre-planning that they did, and the reality is they've got a taste of that monetary thing, and they have this attitude that it's all got to be done by such and such a time, or they may have an employer that is insisting on that. So rather than those things that are really important, their valuation and their validation comes from mammon and they don't seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. They put that completely aside and they are just bowing down to the idol that they have in their job and that false deity, their boss. And that's what that turns into. It does turn into that. So we are told that we need to be doing these things and it's in the scriptures, that we need to do these things as unto the Lord. And I admonish myself, not often, but I find that I do that at times. And I have to remind myself that, wait a minute, God brought you here. God put you in this job. He's got you doing these things for a reason. So you need to be doing this according to him as unto him and not as unto the people that think they're in control of this company. And they do these egregious things because they think they're in charge. I don't need to get in their face. See, this is getting confrontational. When you get up and you start getting in their face and pointing your finger, tapping them on the end of the nose and saying, yeah, well, you just think you're in charge. God's really in charge. You don't know anything. You don't even know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Then you start saying stupid things. That's confrontational. You don't need to get there. You don't need to get there. Just don't step down in cowardice. Don't step aside in compromise. And... Then there's going to be people arguing, well, sometimes in life you have to compromise. No, in the word of God, you do not have to compromise. And you shall not compromise. You will not compromise. The word tells us not to. And those that do are fools. And I've shared that with you before. I've also shared with you that this pastor that I used to have respect for, and I find it hard, I still pray for him. I pray over him and I I pray that he becomes strong and emboldened, but he actually apologized for preaching something because a particular social group complained about what he said that was truth, came from the word of God, and he he spoke it as it was written, but then he stepped down in cowardice, he stepped aside in compromise, and he apologized for preaching the word of God, the truth. Remember this. What you say is not going to please everyone. 
And some people might get their knickers in a twist and they might sit down and be uncomfortable for a while until they smooth it out and realize that you are speaking truth and they will be offended. But they that seek offense shall surely find offense. They that knock on the door seeking the Lord shall surely find him because he will answer and invite you into his table. Period. What are you looking for? Are you looking for truth and peace and the light and the love of God and the love of Christ as is told that he will be with us? Our mindset has to be for that freedom and that we can be that way, even in this tumultuous place that we're in now, in this plane of existence, we can have that. And that we have to have faith in God that what he has planned for us, what Jesus brings to us and what the Holy Spirit guides us into is better than trying to fit things in and go in according to our plan. When we do that, things just fall apart. So what are you worried about? What are you worried about? Remember those hills that, oh man, I can't get up that hill. Faith, the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou cast into the sea, and it will go there. But remember this. I'm sure that if you ask God in uprightness, and he examined that what you were sharing or what you were asking him to do was indeed righteous, he would take a mountain and pull it up by the roots and throw it in the ocean. I have faith in that. I believe that he would do that. But... Also, what I have faith in is the truth be told is that this analogy that Jesus Christ is giving, have we not pushed that mountain up so high, insurmountable that we can't get over around it, that we have let it grow and become so big, but that if we have faith and say, Lord God, I can't get around this mountain, I can't get over it, pull this mountain out of my way. And in faith and believing that, that you will start walking on flat level ground. You don't have to go around. You don't have to divert. And it's okay. You look over your shoulder and say, wow, thank you, Father. Yet again, prove that he was with you. So did we push that mountain up into something that it didn't need to be because we were so confounded and so worried about these things that were going on that we allowed that to happen? So, I think that we need to be aware that we tend to do that and that Jesus wants to be with us and our angels are up there in line and they're waiting to be sent and dispatched. But the problem is that we don't call. God's sitting up there and the operator and has he called yet? Has she called yet? No, Father. Hmm. I sure wish they'd call me. I'd like to dispatch some angels to help them. I want them to go. I don't hear from them. I'm checking in with you because I don't hear them anymore. See, that's the way it is. God doesn't hear us. God, God doesn't hear us calling to him, but God is always listening for us to talk with him. That's what communing with God is about. That's what prayer is. And God is always trying to talk with us. And the reason he doesn't hear us is because we're not talking to him. God's always trying to talk to us. We stop listening to him. We don't talk to him. We stop talking to him. And we stop listening. 
God is always with us, always walking beside us. Always listen to our prayers. And remember I shared, if you go to the book of Revelation, you'll see that God saves the prayers of the saints. That's the brothers and sisters who have accepted that Jesus Christ is only begotten son and believe and have faith in him and walking in the body of Christ, that when we pray for things and we pray over people, we do... Um, We do our uh, our prayers or supplications and we pray over them, our intercessory prayers. God saves them in little vials, little golden vials that he keeps in the temple because they're, they're as a sweet incense to him because we're talking with him, we're communing with him, we're having communion with the Lord Father God. And as the book of Philippians reminds us is that we have strength for everything. In Philippians 4.13, it tells us that we have strength for all things through Christ who strengthened. Here, let's go back here. This is in Philippians 4.13, and let's go turn to that page. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Paul is talking to the Colossians, thanking them for the things that they sent to him, the writing paper and things. And when he's talking about afflictions, he's not sick, but he's been in prison. He can't come to them like he wants to. And interesting, remember what I shared with you is that the word Christ means anointed of God. So I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So anointed Jesus, anointed of God, and we can do all things. And this I find in Proverbs, I found in, in my study time in Proverbs, but um, what's really important in this, and then I'm going to jump... <clears throat> It's going to take us right into Ezekiel. Oh, yeah. Ezekiel. Wow. So as we go into Proverbs, Proverbs is a great place to be. So as we go to Proverbs 17 and 22, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. Interesting analogy there. Dry the bones. So when your spirit is brought, which is where exactly where Satan wants to drive us to with that white noise interference, it's exactly where he wants us to be. Distracted, annoyed, and distraught. But we're going to jump over here to Ezekiel, and I'm going to read in chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out into the spirit of the Lord. Carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones. Caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon the bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy unto them, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Interesting analogy because I touch back and forth on this that I've shared that those of you, you that uh, will go out that don't want to share the word of God that lay every single excuse kind of like Moses did when he was at the burning bush. Well, you know, I have a cleft palate. I have speech impediment. I'm not so good at uh, speechifying or orating or, you know, and God says, <laughs> ah, Moses. The litany of excuses you have for not doing what I asked you to do. But guess what? You are going to carry the staff, which has the power that I put into that for you to do. Aaron, your brother, is going to go with you. He is really good. He's got, he's eloquent. He's a good, strong speaker. He's going to do what you tell him. But you better make sure that he does it exactly as I tell you and you tell him. It has to be exactly as I've said it. So all the excuses that Moses laid out, just like there are some here in the body of Christ that will not go out and testify, they will not share the word of God, and they say, ah, we don't have to do anything because the Holy Spirit's got this. We don't have to battle anything because the Holy Spirit's got this. And then what do they do? They go to church or they share a few scriptures here and there, and then they go back and they sit in their easy chair. And I think that's all there is to it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's in charge. We don't have to fight any battles. And therein is the deception. The white noise interference of the enemy is succeeding in that particular individual. Because if you keep believing that, you keep convincing yourself that, what do you do after church? You go back and you throw yourself into the recliner. You turn on the game as loud as you can get it, as loud as, as loud as allowed to be in the house. And then you grab a beer out of the fridge and you sit back in that easy chair. And when the church group that you were invited to go share time with calls, you say, oh, man, something just came up. Except that you're sitting in the easy chair with your feet kicked back and you're lying to them because... The only thing that came up is the volume on the TV that you just turned down so that you could talk with them. And that the import and validation of mammon has become more important than 
the validation of the word of God. And then you deceive yourself by saying, hey, the Holy Spirit's got this. There's nothing we have to do. Very, very deceiving. And those dry bones that they're talking about. Remember, the other one is that when you become discouraged and when you become distraught, you become dismayed, you become frustrated, then your bones are because you're not out sharing the word and you close yourselves into this little tomb or a grave. And you see the analogy that the prophet Ezekiel told the nation. Ezekiel was given prophetic word over what is seen. Very powerful speaker, very powerful prophet. Remember, in those days, prophets were, it was another word for a preacher. And that there were prophets that traveled and taught the word of God as it was given them to do so. And then there were some that God used more powerfully to touch on people and could call down and remember that you had powerful prophets that could stop rain and say, it's not going to rain until I tell it to rain. And God gave me that authority and they made it so. Oh yeah, they made it so. The dry bones in the valley. The nation of Israel. This is reminiscent of the nation of Israel and, and pertaining to them because they had done that thing. They gave up on God. They turned their back completely on God. So they felt dried up, useless, worthless. They were <clears throat> beset all around them. <clears throat> Pardon me. They were surrounded by, they felt their enemy and they felt that God had deserted them. God didn't go anywhere. They went away. They walked away from God. God didn't go anywhere. So what happened? They dried up, they withered up, they just fell down into nothingness. And God told the prophet to tell them, wake up, get up. And he was teaching them the word of God and the analogy of them coming together and the sinews and their flesh coming on. And then God breathed his word into them and gave them life as he does with us every morning. Every morning God breathes into us. He graces us with that breath that he breathes in. Mercifully, he allows us to continue breathing through the course of the day. Doesn't have to. He doesn't have to do anything with us that he decides, I don't want to do this anymore. And now we're gone. Except that we're not just going to fall down into a heap of bones. We're going to go into the dust from whence we came. I thank God that he doesn't do that because, brothers and sisters, we take for granted and say that we deserve this and we have the right. No, we don't. When Jesus Christ sacrificed himself and he stepped off the throne in God and said of heaven and set his crown down there and said, I'll be back, Father. God anointed him and sent him here. Humbly born of a young virgin woman who was betrothed. And life for Jesus started really humbly. He was born in a stable, slept in a manger, wrapped in a swaddling cloth that was used to help birth lambs. <laughs> Therein is another Another scriptural testimony, the sacrificial lamb 
to be sacrificed and the swaddling cloth was used to help use to birth their lambs when they're having difficulty. I just find that an interesting connotation. My perception is there's so much throughout the Bible, all the way from the Goodness gracious, you look back all the way, going back to the book of Exodus, they were talking about Jesus Christ. And at that time, not even realizing that that's what they were doing. But, you know, and there was a time when I read through that and and I didn't perceive that. But it's there. Moses is talking about the blood on the doorposts. And that you take the lamb, you take part of it. It's talking about Jesus Christ's sacrifice. It's talking about the communion that we have. Oh, my goodness. And then to the birth of Christ. Wrapping in the swaddling cloth when the ewes are having trouble birthing the lambs, the sacrificial lamb of God. John the Baptist calls him, Behold the lamb of God whose sandals I am not fit to latch. Brothers and sisters, he walks with us. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the light. And he will not desert us. He will not forsake us. He does not sleep. He does not slumber. He's with us all the time. It doesn't matter the difficulty there is around us or the way we perceive it. He is with us. Yes, it is a dark and broken place. Yes, there are difficulties. Nothing in the Bible tells us that our walk is going to be easy because those around us decide that they want to be as dark as possible. And so when you shine that light, it bothers them. They get blinky-eyed and they get all agitated because they like it in the dark. They like it there. Have a good day. You are in my prayers on my going out, my coming in. My brothers and sisters, I pray for your strength, boldness, and uprightness in the truth and the word of God. And for those of you who have not made a decision to accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, I pray over you as well so that your curiosity takes you to the Word of God, that you check and you see and make sure that I am speaking truth. And you will find that I do because that's all the Holy Spirit guides me into is the truth in the Word of God. And that's all that I will tell. I don't embellish things for my benefit and say, wow, that guy's, wow, that guy, wow, that That's not what this is about. This is, wow, the power of God, the faith that he has in God, for God saved him and promised him, and it's working in his life. Wow, that's really great. That's what this is about. Wow about God. Wow what about God. Whenever I do things and God blesses me to bless other people, I remind them that God bless me to be able to do that. The prayer of Shabez has been answered in my life so many times, and it's so awesome, and God brings them to me continually. He brought me this to be able to do this, to bless others, and blesses me in doing so. Have a blessed day. You hear my prayers on my going out and my coming in.